You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. I still don't have any idea how to turn down the headphones from over here. I felt like that was louder than last week. This is weird. I don't know. Uh, it's episode <laughs> 272 of the new Utah podcast. We have adjusted Bree's microphone it's, so it, that it's at her mouth level instead is, of having her like slouch down to it. This is weird. You know, I think the difference is since my surgery, I, I sit up straighter. Oh, absolutely. You do. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird night. So it's a Friday night as we record this because I will be in Las Vegas all week. Viva Las Vegas. And, uh, you know us. We don't skip weeks. That's bullshit. Nope. Um, nope. and if I'm not here, no one knows how to do anything anyway. So, yep. I was telling Bree, um, cause I'm getting to a point where I need to replace my, uh, desktop computer in there. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, it's like, 2013. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, computer years, that might as well be 100 years old. Well, yeah. and that's not his work computer. That's like his gaming computer. It's his desktop. No, but I use it for work stuff, too. Still. Well, yeah, but not a lot. It's getting up there. Yeah. So, IRS, if you're listening to this via NSA, I absolutely use that for work a lot. <laughs> you actually did today. <laughs> yeah, I did. I know. You were talking to me I, about I, it. I, uh, I, I actually do use it a fair amount for work. But anyway, it's... It's getting close. It's at the eight-year mark, which, I mean, realistically, like, I don't build shitty computers. Like, it's eight years. It still runs stuff. Like, it's probably not going to run the most current hottest game at the best FPS, but I don't play those games really anymore. Um, but it's, like, my video card's seen better days. The monitor that I use, the primary monitor's not working off its display port now, so I just downgrade it to HDMI, which... The whole point of 144 megahertz refresh rate 3D monitor is... You don't have to. I want the 144 megahertz refresh rate, but you have to have DisplayPort for that. Sorry, that's really kind of probably fucking nerdy for people, but... But, uh, point is, I'm going to probably replace that, and what I'll probably do is actually bring it in here and stationary set it up so that it becomes the studio recording, and I only use the laptop for... Uh, maybe some minor editing and for our road trips. For road trips. No, that's a good idea. Cause Looking just, stuff up, maybe. Just like everything yeah. else, you've got it set one time, get it tweaked the way you want it, and don't mm-hmm. touch it other than for yeah, the Yeah, well, and we can put up. And then that will also enable us to do things like maybe mount a monitor up there for you guys. Or just set it like right well, there. Nice. I probably would rather mount it on the wall, actually, so it can rotate so everyone can see it better. Because right there, nice. like, it's not... so. No. I have something right there. <laughs> no, but like we could even mount it right there on the wall so that it's visible for but So that when we Skype, we can see our guests. Yeah, or we could mount it somewhere over there and like have it pointed this way. But that way, more people could see what we're looking at for different things. So Look at us getting all fancy schmancy. Well, I mean, it's just a great relegation of that one. And, right. No, um, I mean, it makes total sense. I'd just buy a high-quality sound card for it, probably. Um, nice. So... Like my computer, which is very well built by Chris three years ago, AutoCAD is already like sucking it dry. I've got to like upgrade because the memory. AutoCAD uh, is a massive. Not not memory for those of you that uh, care. It's actually hard drive space. Hard Jeremy's drive space. Out of, because Jeremy, like most users, installs everything on the default drive. 
Um, and so it's full of programs and probably a bunch of files that he doesn't need anymore. Probably. I need to have you come do a cleanup. But even with that, I think we need it. And we talked about that when we set it up that at some point we probably have to add hard drive space. So. Yeah. But other, I mean, it runs really great. It's been a great machine. Yeah. So more nerdy stuff. Uh, I think I'm just going to put it in a, uh, really secure, like RAID array with a couple terabytes of space so that you can, uh, have hard drives fail on you. Nice. <laughs> so I haven't priced any of the hard drives yet, but that's actually pretty easy to set up. And well, and when you set it up, you set it up with this in mind that we would. Yeah, and well, I mean the the solid state drive that it has for the operating system in AutoCAD, I think we'll we'll leave all that stuff there, and we'll probably move some of your other crap to the other drive. But I don't think that's this what this is podcast computer is about, talk so. on the new Utah podcast. Yeah, I mean I don't do <laughs> why, it. Much. Why does this make it any? Why is this any less interesting than all the farm talk you do? I don't know. Farm talk's more. It's not. No, no, it's not. It's, I don't. I don't know how many nerds we have listening to this podcast. Like computer. Well, nerds. how many farmers do you know you have listening? All the farmers on farmersonly.com. dot com. Uh huh. Yeah, there's not many. <laughs> I'm just left. saying, you guys will go on and on about farming and never once apologize. But for some reason, you talk about something techie, and you're like, oh, we're so sorry. Sorry. Oh, we what? won't apologize. You know, weird. Just, uh, shaking it up. You know what's interesting to me about um, tech talk like that is, I because I'm so ingrained in it and like I've just lived with it for years. Like I grew up learning learning it on crappy machines in a you know nice public school system, but uh, I learned that's how I learned computers, and I've just I love them, and I I take a very big interest in how they work and how they function and all that stuff. But, like, I'm amazed, like, my kids grew up with computers. I don't know how they fucking work. Like, they they had to take basic computer courses in, um, I don't even think, I think it was high school, maybe, that they took the basic computer too. courses, where they actually learned, like, what RAM is versus a hard drive versus a CPU and how the components interact. Um, but they don't, they don't know how computers See, work. They didn't have to go through the DOS like we did. Where yeah. you had to hand type everything. Yeah, I still have to do a lot of that. So, uh, I mean... Coming from the background in computers that us old folks have, I think we just appreciate Windows and all that, the way it's so speedy and the way, because we didn't have that. With the yeah, well, and think about phones, like how interactive phone interfaces are, and like, they're just, you don't even have to think about it. You usually you can pick it up and learn it. But, but to that point, people don't know how the insides will operate, and people don't know how the software actually works on stuff, so they just assume something's broken. But like, well, sometimes it's your internet. Sometimes the app's crashing. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes your boss does something to your computer that makes your Outlook be stupid, and your IT husband has to. It's like one time I told Maya, "You need to restart your phone." She's like, "I don't know how to do that." Yeah, that's wild to me. It's wild to me. She grew up with that shit. Like literally, her whole life, she's been exposed to that. Kind or the of stuff. you need to set your voicemail with so that when so, I don't know how to like do jobs that. like what. How don't do you, know how to set your voicemail. Yeah, no. no, I've never set up a voice. What? Yeah. My it took me a while that. to force my kids. They never, it wasn't because they didn't know how. They just didn't think that it was important. And, and I'm like, and then, you're applying for jobs. Stop. They're going to call you back. If you can't answer, you have to have a voicemail. Yep. And if you don't answer because you're terrified to talk to someone on the phone, which they are. Well, not Sean. But Cassie yeah, doesn't like it. That generation in general, they're not going to leave a message. You're not going to They don't even fucking text. They just snap everything. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. No, the girls were texting with us today. Uh, no, they were mostly snapping with you. And they were texting with me because I sent them a link to something they had to go fill out. Which was, if I would have snapped, they wouldn't have been able to go to the form from their <laughs> fucking text. <laughs> I could have done what they did and snapped a picture of the email on my phone. 
that's the best. What I what I love is my my contractors who are old school but take tried. a picture of their computer screen yeah and send it to me i'm like can you just send me because there's all these links or whatever or 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 i get that oh, i've got a set of, i got a set of plans that i like and they'll send me a picture of it and i'm like send me the freaking link yeah send me the file man i can't like yeah ah people it's it, so anyway that it just it actually astonishes me that uh how not tech savvy people are um i think yeah, to, though they were raised with it, so they just take it for granted that it's always been there. And I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see uh, those people that have been so accustomed to computers their whole life. Like I was talking to someone about this the other day. Like I know how to replace tons of shit on cars. Like I've done all kinds of stuff from you know basic like oil change and spark plug stuff to uh, tires, rotors, brakes, like alternators, ex- yeah, alternators, jazz. starters, water pumps. I've replaced all that shit on old cars when I was younger. I don't do it now because I fucking hate doing that stuff. Yep. But, you know, I wonder how many people just have no idea how to do it. I did all that all through college. Yeah. Because you could go buy the part for 25 bucks or you could pay someone $300 to put it in. I'm like, no. No, Especially when you're a poor college bucks, student. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many times I was in the parking lot. Or you got a Midas and they lie to you about your brakes and you have to fucking show them how to bleed a brake line so you can close the caliper. Yeah. And then yeah. threaten to call the cops so they don't put your car back uh, together. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I don't think that they believe that 18-year-old kids know what they're doing when it comes to cars, but... Yeah. I guess if you're going to a Midas, they assume you don't know what you're doing. Maybe. Don't go to Midas, by the way, people. Yeah. Twice they fucked me. Twice they've tried to fuck me. I so. like AutoZone or... Yeah, that's just a part store, dude. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! For parts, yeah. Midas is a, a oh shop. Midas like the oh the brake store that not the part yeah They're not a part I'm store. not a huge fan of Les Schwab either. They're those ones that, <sighs> that lost put, that bolt in Cassie's put a bolt brakes. In the and I we had took that with Firestone. Our, we took it to our mechanic, and they're like, "We don't feel like we can leave, like I'm let you go, go safely." And he literally got in a car, and we watched him drive out of the parking lot and go find the part because they didn't have it, and come back because he's like, "I can't let you drive away like this." Firestone did that to us, and of course, all the Firestones around us are closed. I'm yeah. guessing they screwed. Yeah. When when they had that big tire problem, I think they really fucked themselves a little bit. But that's what tires are on my car that I just bought last year. Fire stunts. All 10,000 miles I've driven on it. 10,000 miles in over a year. It's not very much, man. Pandemic life. Well, uh, compared to what you used to do. I know. Even just a daily commute's a lot more than that. And I just, I, I didn't have to daily commute very often. So, um... A couple things. Uh, The air quality right now on Friday as we record this is absolute shit. It's literally the worst of any city in the world, according to IQ Air. At the moment. Yep. So we've got, I know I've talked about it before on the show, but it's still happening. We've got fires, and there are some local, but not big No, ones. this is almost entirely from California, uh, California Oregon, Oregon, and Washington. Washington. Yeah, and then uh, the wind shifted. Norm- most of the time, the wind comes out of the south. But it shifted, and then it's coming out of the north today, and the temperature dropped like 10, 15 degrees. And so a combination of that cooler air, it just pushed it all into the valley. You can't even see the mountains, and for being here in the valley, that's bad, because we live in the mountains. Well, so, I live on the mountain, like you're sitting in the on the yeah. bench of the ogres right now. To give you an idea of where our air quality is, um, our we don't hardly ever get here. It is in the red. 
Uh, it is in the unhealthy level of air quality. You should not be outside exercising in this. You should limit the amount of travel that you do, the, the exposure outside that you have. You should really be inside of filtered air. But it's just over 80 micrograms per cubic meter, um, which is pretty central of the unhealthy. Like very unhealthy is 150 micrograms per cubic meter. Um, but your average good air is less than 12. And we're in 80. And we're in 80. <laughs> so. So my boss was driving in this morning because, you know, he doesn't come to work until 10. But he, he called me because he was supposed to be on the phone with me at 10 and he was still driving. Um, and he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, uh, feeling a little apocalyptic. I said, I looked up about, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes ago and instead of the sky being blue, it's yellow. And he's like, yeah, as I was driving from the north because he lives in Leighton to downtown he's like you could literally see the smoke wall coming in just like a storm and he's like and I was just kind of driving to it and he said it was a little surreal and he said by the time I got to the smokestacks that's all I could see I couldn't see beyond them like you normally can't I could just see the smokestacks I I don't want to be that guy but I I really do have to ask I I just want to put I'm going to round some perspectives for you guys so we just had, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, right? Regardless of how serious the disease actually is, it has killed a shit ton of people, like half a, half a million people in this country alone. Uh, globally, it's infected, I would say, what, over half the population probably? I don't know what the global infection rate of COVID is. Yeah, probably. Uh, we're currently in the worst drought in recorded history for us uh, here in the western United States. Uh, we've had flash flooding that has destroyed homes in the middle of this drought. Um, we have other areas of the country and of the world that are um, in, like, the craziest floods that they've right. ever seen, like in Europe. There's places experiencing snow that never have before. Yeah. Um, and, and we're having wildfires so bad that we have the worst air quality in the world in the middle of August in Utah. Like we're, we're recording record earthen temperatures in Death Valley of over 130 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't want to say, like, I don't want to be like it's an apocalyptic world, like Brie was joking, but. Like, our Earth is fucked, right? Our planet is totally fucked, right? Like, I know some of this stuff is coincidental, but I was even reading shit about um, some of the ocean currents are starting to slow down and become a little bit more uh, unpredictable, which is really fucking crazy what it's going to do to weather patterns. Like, Yeah, because that's what the moon and then the oceans, that's what drives our weather. And so, so like... How fucked are we? Like, is this like in my lifetime? Am I going to have to deal with this? I think I'm going to have to deal with this the rest of my life. That just means we need to get a gun faster. Yeah, I guess so. Well, there's also no bullets available. Like, we have some. I do. Enough. I do love that there was a news story like like two weeks ago. Like, it was, I didn't mean to protect ourselves. Like it was. It was on like we CNN just shoot or something. Ourselves. Yeah. Oh, to shoot. Just yeah, we just have a couple. But we don't need a lot of bullets. Just for that. throw them at each other. We just need to just a hammer up against our temples. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that got dark. Uh, we have, but, but, uh, it was funny cause I, I don't know, one of the major media outlets put up a story about how, you know, when the pandemic first hit, there was a run on toilet paper and cleaning supplies and whatever. And now you can't find bullets anywhere. But I was like, you haven't been able to find bullets since before the pandemic started. Now, bullet, yeah, that's been like probably a couple what? 
years. Yeah, now. like what Just... happened come pandemic time was I would say by like mid-April, you couldn't find shit to make your own bullets. Right. Like bullets had been gone a long time. Like ammunition itself, like pre-made ammunition is already difficult to find. But they were making it out to be like, oh, suddenly that's a problem with supply and demand. No, motherfuckers, that's been going on for a while. I would say when the Trump administration stepped in is kind of when that tipped. Of course, every time they elect a new president, regardless, especially liberal presidents, one side or the other freaks out. They're going to take our guns. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't want to take it there. That wasn't my intent, but (laughs) I was just thinking about it. And then she said, it looks like the apocalypse and. I mean, it really is like, this is, this is stuff that's fucked and it's so, and like, like Noah just, uh, the National Oceanography, blah, 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 whatever. They just said, yeah, the hurricane season's going to be worse than we thought. It's going to be longer with more storms. Well, and then, and then you got the people, global warming's not a thing. Well, look around. It 100% is. The temperature <laughs> well, of the, the thing is, is, is we tagged it wrong, right? When, when all of this started happening, calling it global warming was the worst thing that we could do. It's climate change. Climate change. Well, so, and so people took global warming as the whole earth is heating up, which is true. That's actually what's happening is right. the overall temperature of everything is increasing. Which is why it got called that. But, but what that means is climate change. Right. right. We're going to have vastly different and types of climates than what we're used to. Climate change has happened since the world began. Granted. Yeah, cyclically. But it takes thousands, if not millions, of years. We've yeah, accelerated Not it. thousands, millions. <laughs> right. Yeah, the cycles work in, in mil- like hundreds of thousands of years is how the right. cycles work. But we've sped it up to where it's like 100 years. Yeah, less than 100. <laughs> since the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> yeah. Basically, since since the like early to mid-1900s. Since we started putting more pollutants into the air. Yeah, since we figured out, oh, shit, you can burn coal and oil and all these other fossil fuels, like... And the, it just, I don't... We didn't know. I don't get the generation, though, that found out that that was polluting the air and just hung on to that, though, still, and was yeah. like, no, we're not doing anything else. This is what we're doing. Well... First of all, it's a finite resource. I don't... Look, so... We figured, like, we figured out pollution in stages, right? So we figured out first, like, holy shit, if we just let factories dump whatever the fuck they want into our waterways, we're gonna have a problem. It creates problems. Oh shit, like, there's whole lakes that are now red because of pollutants. We should fucking stop that. And so they stopped that. Cause, oh, water affects us directly. You know what takes a long time to affect us? The shit we pump into the air. And I don't know that we knew what we were pumping in the air was quite as big of a problem until probably like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And by that time, I don't know that there was a way to fix it. Like, Well, there was definitely a way to arrest it, though. And and to slow it, slow to slow down the change, but we didn't. We just kept doing it more. Well, and instead of it being something that everyone saw as like, hey, humanity needs to come together on this and do something about it, it became somewhat political and finger pointy, right? Because like it, everything does. You the have, COVID thing. Did. I don't give a shit about America, by the way. I'm talking. I'm not globally. talking about that either. <laughs> globally, it's the same thing. So globally, basically, what happens in the 80s and the early 90s, we figure out that the fucking air pollutants are terrible. And the argument is then, well, all these westernized countries that have gone through the, their own industrial revolution and they're at this point now where they can actually, you know, actively go after these cleaner resources, other countries, India, China, those really large countries, 
they're just now starting down that path of industrializing. How are we to stop them from doing what, what we, we did? did? And the problem is we're a country of 300 million at the time. China and India are a billion apiece or more. Right. And so supporting a billion people through that is way more. I mean, it's three times the number of fucking people. Right. So, I, I mean, how do you tell them, no, you can't. You can't advance as a civilization you can't over do there. What we did. Yeah, like how do you stop them? Uh, and I, I just don't think that you can. Yeah. But by the same token, like when you get to a point where like globally people say, yeah, we need to do something about this, and then America's just like, nah, we don't fucking have to do what everyone else says. That's stupid. So the wedding is in uh, two months. It's coming up. I'm Actually, excited. So it's Friday today. Um, but in theory, we're one day, two months, so it's the 64 days. We leave on the 7th. Yeah, the, and, so, and then and the actual wedding is You guys at this away. point in time will we'll, already, we'll already be been there. in Hawaii. Yeah. With our schedule and Brighton and the military and stuff, we have so to adjust. you're going on Tuesday, uh-huh. and so then you'll be there Wednesday, then so we'll get there Thursday. For those of you listening, if you can figure out the timing of when we're going to be mm-hmm. gone based on this, you can come rob our houses because- <laughs> You know where we live. <laughs> Um, actually, our cats I, will be here. They will attack you. I know Jeremy's house is being house sat. Yeah. Uh, in, yep. in cause they're house sitting our dog. And actually I've talked to Holly about maybe coming over here. Yeah, and our, ours is going to be watched as well. Oh, so yeah. fuck all you people that want to come steal our shit. Also, if you need our shit that bad, just ask whatever it, <laughs> it's here. Just ask. Crystal, they piles of shit for you anyway. I would actually rather give you my stuff than have you break into my fucking home and destroy things to steal my stuff. Like, seriously. And the most important things will be with me while I'm in Hawaii, which is my family and my friends and my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, truthfully. And all major credit cards. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I don't leave that kind of shit lying around. I'll probably have my passport with me, even though it's still just Hawaii. Like, maybe we'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's not very long. Um, it, it's getting closer and closer, and I'm really excited for it, and uh, I'll probably be talking more and more about it as we... Well, the cool closer. thing is all of us members owe the podcast will be there, so... Yeah, so we're going to have lots of... You guys are going to have, like, the New Utah Podcast Hawaii time episode after we get back, because that's all we're going to want to talk about. Well, we're going to... Yeah, so we're going to pre-record so you won't miss anything, because Jeremy will be gone um, yeah, the first Tuesday, and then we'll be gone the second Tuesday. So you won't even know. You You'll won't. just get two episodes. Yep. Even no. But then the so the basically the third week in Don't October, know. right? What yep. I'm trying not to be super specific. You're I was kind of joking about Sorry. people breaking into our homes, but that is a real <laughs> fucking thing that happens. <laughs> like if you say, "Hey, look at me, I'm in Hawaii." Whenever you're on vacation on Facebook, people will fucking break into your house. That is a thing that people. people I get know. Home. I never. Well, not you, because you don't have any public shit on facebook your stuff's all locked down so that's smart but yeah i mean that's that is actually a thing so i'm kind of trying to be a little careful though i think it'll be obvious you know if you hadn't done that you probably could have just wiped out what i said nah it's all right but now you made a big deal about it then i would have had to edit the show and you know me and editing content like it's rare that i do that because it is annoyingly difficult it's not difficult it's just it just takes time but anyway that's neither here nor there um the other thing i i don't do you have anything by the way we've talked about the smoke we've talked now yeah Uh, yeah, the only other thing is school starting up again oh yeah you're probably really the only one that cares about that because i only have one kid in school and it's her last year so yeah it's it's college but yeah a couple of weeks school starting up uh is there anything like 
weird because of COVID or? Well, they're still back and forth on if they're going to require I don't, Yeah, I don't think the districts even actually know for sure. Uh, Salt Lake County is the only one that's for sure said their kids. Salt Lake City. Uh, yeah. 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 The Salt Lake City uh, schools, they've said they but are. But that's gonna Salt Lake City has an indoor mask mandate again. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan School District. Has not made any sort of an announcement yeah. as of yet. But um, aside from that, Bingham's not even going to be open. Oh, so they they had a whole bunch of renovations they were doing oh, over the, last, right. over the summer, right. and they've had tons of delays because of building materials and labor delays. Uh, because everyone else can't build either. It's right. not just homes, guys. Uh, and so um, they're not ready to open. They're still like open construction. So they're going to start virtual. I mean, they'll still have like all the extracurricular activities. But they're going to start virtual. Yeah. So the, I mean, the only the only thing they have announced is they're not doing the weird Friday off thing because that was just a waste. Because that was done. Okay. Oh, no COVID. COVID transmits really heavily on Fridays, guys. So we're not going to come to school. So that's out the window. But uh, they are still offering online for those people who don't want their kids in people school. People who are terrified of it. Um, but this is Hannah's last year. Yep, she's seen me. Also, I'm going to throw this out there. If your kid is in middle school or high school and you don't get them vaccinated, you're a fucking bad parent. I don't give a shit why. You are a bad parent. Period. In a subject. Just like if you don't get your fucking kid vaccinated for measles, in my opinion, you're a bad fucking parent. Well, with Pfizer coming up on getting FDA approval here in the next few weeks. Actual approval, not Yeah, like full use. FDA approval. I imagine that, that use on younger kids will even start to happen here soon. And I'm sure Moderna's, you know, not far behind. So some school districts, and I don't know exactly, but I've seen, I've seen some news posts that there's some school districts that you can register your kid and get the shots. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you, they'll do it at registration. There's no reason not to get a vaccine at this point other than you're a dumbass and have fallen into why this thing's been politicized for some dumbass reason. Um, so, um, and kids under 12 can't get it yet officially. Maybe that'll come at some point, but also, you know, they're not really getting the same kind of symptoms that everyone else is. It's not as dangerous for them as it is for 60 year old plus people. So keep that in mind. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't bring it home to grandma and that, grandpa. That's true. That's true. But guess what? If grandma and grandpa are vaccinated, they ain't got nothing to worry about. Because even if you contract the Delta variant while you're vaccinated, there is a very, 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 very minuscule, like less than 1% chance you'll end up in the hospital and is better chance of you dying from a lightning strike than dying from COVID if you've been vaccinated. That's well, what the been a lot of actual lately. statistical or numbers Or smoke say. inhalation right now. Yeah. yeah. Right now. Lung cancer from particulates in retire. <laughs> All right, with us this week is uh, is Kara Porter, right? Not Kara. Right. I don't know why I want to say Kara, but it's Kara Porter uh, with the uh, Cold Case Coalition. And Kara, what do you what do you do first off for the Cold Case Coalition? What's your position? Uh, I'm actually the CEO and co-founder, uh, but it is a volunteer position. <laughs> we are all volunteers, as is the case with a lot of nonprofits. So. Mm -hmm. um, Awesome, awesome. We're gonna get we're gonna get deep into what you guys do and why you were formed, but I want to take a step back um, and ask, what month were you born in? March. In March. So June. Yeah. Summer. Just summer love. Summer spring, love. Spring. Spring baby. <laughs> Let's see. I don't think it was summer love. I my parents wanted to be down in the south. Uh, they wanted to be freedom riders, ah. and they were saddled with kids. 
And so <laughs> I, think, I think it was more of a depression type related thing. Gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. Depression, summer love, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so where where were you born then? Kansas. 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 Did you grow up in Kansas? Yeah, uh, until I went to law school, and then I moved out here, and now I've been in Utah longer than longer than I was anywhere else. So, did you go to law school here in Utah then? Uh, Texas. In Texas, in Austin. Okay. So you went. So you grew up in Kansas. Kansas went grade school, junior high, high school there. So, what took you to law school in Texas? Is that where you got accepted, or is that where you wanted to go? Or? Um, actually, I did not want to be a lawyer. Um, oh. <laughs> my mother is a. I mean. You know, helicopter mothers, uh, they envy her for, for her. Uh, so she was an original. Sisters. Yeah, she, she was. She was the prototype. Um, yeah, she, I wanted to be a journalist and I, and she said, well, just fill out these things. Just write an essay. I'll fill everything out for law school. I said, I don't want to do that. And then she tricked me. She said, you know, the Wall Street Journal requires a law degree for its. <laughs> um, so I went, oh, well. All right, I'll do an essay. She filled out all the applications, sent them to all the schools based on the size of their law library. And how, wow. So how many colleges do you think in real in reality get the transcripts and they're like, their mom wrote this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I bet there's a plenty of them that are like, uh-huh. I'm sure nowadays they definitely can find that. Well, oh, that's true. Nowadays they just Google it and find 300 of the exact same thing that somebody copied on. So you got day. tricked into going to law school, <laughs> and why did you stay? Like, once you got there and you didn't really want to be an attorney or a lawyer, did you call your mom? Hey, mom, you know what I just found out? You need to say out? attorney because I hate it when you say lawyer. I do. I'll just keep calling you a liar all night. <laughs> it I, sounds like just, liar. I have the worst uh, worst enunciation with the word lawyer, so. Oh, I've been called that for 35 <laughs> yeah. years, so, you know. Attorney works way better for me. We just go, <laughs> go uh uh-uh, uh, you know, and then how do you respond to that? There you go. So, So, what made you decide to stay in law school after all that? You know, actually, once you get there, I realized I didn't have a very, um, sounds stupid, but I, I realized that I was learning how to, to think better uh-huh. in law school. Well, that's what college does. That's what college is supposed to that do. That doesn't sound stupid at all. Yeah. It's supposed to do that. But, but in law school, I, the very first time I read anything in the textbook, uh, and I thought, I'll never get this. I'll never understand this. This is so far over my head. And so I kind of thought, you know, no matter what I do, I'm, I'm learning a skill and I should right. be able to win any argument from now on at home, <laughs> um, regardless of where I end up. No matter how helicopter your mom was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't work with her. It turns out, but... <laughs> obviously she won. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I ended up in Utah. So there, take that mom. <laughs> there you go. You show her. <laughs> yeah. So you, you graduate. What kind of law were you specializing in? Um, I started out. Doing something, doing just defending cases, you know. I mean, it's like, ha ha, this widow and kids are not going to get any money. I found some obscure law I can use against them. Uh, but then I switched about midway through my career. And I do, actually, I do a lot of constitutional law right now. Like, you guys would probably know one of my cases. I had a couple of years ago, I represented a nurse who was on duty up at the U of U. Oh yeah, we everybody knows about that. Everyone, I know. I was getting emails from China and and Afghanistan and all sorts because I had all seen the video, yeah. you know. And no, just since you interrupted her, I'm, I'm assuming what she was going to say was the nurse at the U that refused to do the blood test on the the. She, 
uh, I guess he was a he was uh, a suspect or well, whatever. But he, was, he was not a suspect. Yeah, he was just he would he'd been brought in by the police, but he wasn't under arrest, and they wanted her to draw blood, but he wasn't able to give consent and they didn't have any reason to or something that was the thing they didn't have any reason to he was not suspected of anything in fact when you listen to the little uh, little whispering on the audio it's like we don't have any probable cause to think this but um so that was kind of the thing and she was just trying to enforce the policy she was doing her job she's doing a good job and, and, and she was and so anyway cases like that that are kind of fun um i do a lot of of that kind of constitutional work. Yeah, I remember That's that. That's awesome. all over yeah. the place. And then COVID came along and that all got like forgotten. But Which, which is good because people, they don't want to stay in the limelight too much, you know. And Especially not for something like that. Plus, we did give them a chance ahead of time to not, you know, just sit down with us. And one of the two wouldn't. And I said... Uh, you know, okay, sorry. You know, that's the that's the thing. I know it's constitutional law, but that's the sort of thing that has to happen more frequently is people need to hold, you know, police officers in particular, but other public servants, they need to be held more accountable than they are. Uh, and I, I think that we as a as a as a country, as a society here have a problem doing that. We think that because they're in a position like a judge or a police officer that they are um, not above appro- the law. Yeah. Well, maybe not even that, but like that we can't really go after them. But like, they're held accountable no, on a different a, level. Yeah. Not an avenue for us to actually hold them accountable. That they're the BYU police department. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't yeah, agree to mandate Utah state requirements. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. But of course, it's true that, that it's hard to hold. Um, I, I defended law enforcement for the first, for about 12 years or so. And a lot of the guys that I defended, you know, I think they were good and I think they were doing right. the right thing. Um, but I also found out that I thought I was the greatest lawyer in the world because I would just win like 14 cases in a row or whatever. And I thought, man, I'm it. Um, <laughs> and you're like, wait, it's really I, hard to get them. Then I found out, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You know, my cat could have won these cases. Um, <laughs> they just needed somebody in the chair. <laughs> you just, yeah, because of qualified immunity and all that, you just can't do it. Qualified and, immunity is wild. It is. And so I, but I switched to the harder one. Um, it seems like the more noble thing to do. <laughs> so let's in, back In this up. room, we feel like you've, you've switched to a more noble law. Plus, <laughs> I think constitutional law is important these days because there's a lot of people that hear what the constitution is, but don't actually know what the constitution is. Like the, like the, you know, right to bear arms kind of thing that people insist on or this freedom of speech kind of things that people insist on. And they don't really know what the constitution actually says or what's been agreed upon by, you know, the judicial system on the way down of, of what that actually means. So I think it's good to have someone that's, you know, trying to uphold that or, or make sure that if it gets changed that, you know, it's, it's appropriate. Yeah, you know, and some folks only are interested in some of the constitutional amendments. Now, I'm playing constitutional law bingo. Um, <laughs> and I will, you know, I'm a big believer in all of the amendments. So do you have uh, like a giant card on like the wall of your office? I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's the ninth amendment. Got it. There, and I have fourth there's amendment. the 17th amendment. It's like those people that go to all the different states and they have the little flags. Yeah. She's just got a, a constitutional like wheel that she has little flags in it. I do. I just want to do all of the main amendments. 
I mean, I, I am still looking for a Second Amendment case, but <laughs> I do fourth and, and sixth and eighth and, and anyway. But So let's back up just a little bit. So you, gra- you graduated from Texas? University of Texas at Austin. And, and then what? You um, just come directly here or was there I, a... I did. I didn't plan to stay here, but um, I had, you know, genealogy was kind of a hobby and my mother had given me a list uh, she's like you're going to Utah. Yeah, and she said, yeah, just just clerk in Utah for part of a summer, and here's the list of what you need to look up in that library. I'm like, okay, all right, six weeks, I can do that. Um, but the firm that I went to work for, that I still work for, um, that I ran for 20 years, wow. Um, it turned out to be a lot more fun. I mean, culturally, it was very different for me, <laughs> um, including uh-huh. the fact that my my daily language. Um, I, you know, it was, ah, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. Um, but it, they were fun and they were, they treated me like an equal and they were, and, uh, so I, I ended up saying, you know what? I'm going to stay in Utah and I'm not going back to Texas and which surprised all of my friends, but I, I've loved it here. So did your family stay back East or did they end up coming out here? Um, one at a time they ended up coming out, gravitating out here. So you were the trendsetter for the whole family. Huh? Uh, I was just like when you drive into a restaurant and everybody follows you. you know, <laughs> so yeah. how did you sell them on coming here? Like, <laughs> I don't think you have to sell Utah. It sells itself. Yeah, but this is a podcast about how you sell Utah. I know. I'm just teasing. <laughs> is it, well, I, I think they were surprised that I liked it so much. Um, so they wanted to come see what. What, what this is all about. Did they ask you if you had sister wives? <laughs> and uh, I have been offered sister wife status, <laughs> um, which I consider to be a very high compliment. You know, it I depends. Don't. If it's a Warren Jeffs, then no. No, but I'm just saying that if, if, if I, I had a law partner some years back and I would hang out with the family and stuff and his wife had said i am praying for for it to come back <laughs> i want you as my sister wife <laughs> okay yeah, when the woman picks you it's different than when the man picks you oh yeah no i yeah i, I might have interpreted the other differently i don't know but <laughs> still would have been flattered probably but <laughs> okay so you come what brought you to utah? a job then and this mm-hmm. genealogy stuff you know i just Worked on the genealogy, but then it turned out that the firm was so fun that you stayed. That I came back the next year, and then now it's you know been thirty five years. Wow! But and I still love my firm. So so you move into you know in in more recent times, constitutional law and kind of you know doing the other side of the of what you had started. Um, at what point did you decide to? form the cold case coalition and what was kind of the driving factor for that you know it's funny you know how earlier we we mentioned that case that i had that went viral right that with mm-hmm. the nurse mm-hmm. okay so i i was I, we actually had to hire somebody at one point to respond to all of the calls and the emails and that we were getting on that it was it was amazing but one of them said the subject line i saw it it said murder of rosie tapia and I, you know, I clicked on that one and, and it was a member of the Tapia family saying, can you help? You know, Rose, and I remembered seeing some billboards. Yeah. Some years earlier. And I thought, well, maybe they need somebody to help them get records. I, I don't, I don't, I'm a lawyer, you know, but so I asked them to come in and I said, you know, I'm just a lawyer. I don't know how I can help with something like this. 
and uh, and they basically said, look, just can you even if you can get it on TV or can you just call someone? Can you just see what's happening? Is there anything you can do? Isn't that case like 20 plus years old? It is. Because I, I remember of it vaguely because it was pretty big at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the bill. I remember bits and pieces of it, but it was long enough ago. But I, it was big news at the time. Yeah. In 1995. I mean, it was so horrendous. If you think about it, it's one of those things where you, well, you don't want to think about it, right? I mean, the, you live on the ground floor just at a regular old apartment complex. Somebody takes the screen out and, you know, I mean, that's, it's unthinkable or whatever. It's, it's, it's why we now tell daughters, like, you don't want to live on the ground floor. Why do you want to live on the ground floor? Don't live on the ground floor. You do start to get paranoid. After I, we started this uh, organization, I do remember picking up the phone once and calling my mom and said, do not answer the door. I'm putting a peephole in. You know, if you get bumped in your car, do not stop your car. You know, I mean, I was just going through all these things because I She's was like, are you crazy? <laughs> because you're like now like in the depths of the worst parts of humanity. Yeah. I mean, you see hundreds of cases and then you go, oh, I can't. I was kind of blissfully ignorant before. Uh, so I didn't mean to derail you. Yeah. So back to the back to the top here. To the email, yeah. So you get oh, this yeah. email, you meet with this family, and they ask you for your help. And and um, so I didn't know what to do, so I just arranged. Now, here's the – got to give a, a thumbs up to Salt Lake City Police. I had just done something very um, public uh, that didn't make them look good, right? And so – that could have gone south. And I've sued Salt Lake City police. I'm currently suing them. But they are very good at compartmentalizing. Um, so they agreed to take a meeting with me and the family about Rosie's case and then kind of set up some parameters. And basically I said, well, how can we help? Do you need resources? Do you need? And I finally hit on one. And I said, Do you... what about publicity? And they said, well, yeah, if it was up to me, we'd have a 24-hour Rosie channel. They said every time something like this, there's a news story about this or whatever, and we get tips or leads. And so I thought about it, and I thought, well. So I put together this coalition with a private investigator who'd been helping the family for free, Jason Jensen, and a Tribune reporter that was had just retired, Tom Harvey. And so we just put it together and thought, well, we'll help some of these families, but we started getting calls two hours after our first press conference Whoa. and from other states. Would you do Georgia? Will you do South Dakota? And I was like, it. <laughs> you're like, wait, wait. <laughs> we were <What>? just, uh... <laughs> we were just trying to help here or whatever, but the need is overwhelming. There's 250,000 cold cases in the U S isn't that insane? Like just thinking about that volume. I just feel like in this day and age, like, I think that it would be so hard to get away with a crime, but it's still, I mean, it's not easy, but relatively, I feel like it's still kind of easy to do. I've thought a lot about this. And, uh, no. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm not going to look at your plan. Okay. If that's what you're wanting me to do. You know? Can you give me pointers on things I could do better? Yeah. So, yeah no. Well. So ultimately, what were you able to do for them? Um, we've actually done quite a, quite a bit for them uh, in terms of. Getting, you know, like we, we, witnesses came to us that didn't want to talk to the police. So we were able to actually get a, and we were able to get a sketch artist to do a sketch of someone who was seen fleeing. And 
we've we've done quite a bit. We've uh, we started the Rosie Tapia identification program where we would identify bodies. That wasn't particularly for Rosie's case, but it was in honor of Rosie. Uh, we have interviewed dozens of of witnesses. Um, it we're we're going to get this case solved. It's going to get solved. But meanwhile, what we thought was about two hundred cold cases in Utah is, and we're buttoned up against about four forty, four sixty now. Wow. Yeah. So so I mean, I have in my mind how this goes, but but maybe explain it. So something happens. The police only have so much resources and so much time they can devote to a case. So what happens? It goes, whatever, two months, three months, six months, and they get to the point where they just cannot put any more resources towards it. So it goes... goes well, I, I think it's probably even less resources as opposed to things run dry. Like, you, you get to a point in an investigation, sometimes that's in two months, sometimes that's in two years, but you've chased down all your leads, and even if you have a good suspect... You just don't have enough, and and it kind of dies until you get more people. That's so. I guess basically the question is, what makes a case cold? Yes. Well, in Utah, it is statutorily defined as three years because the first thing we did for Rosie, um, we we decided we don't know what I didn't know what we were doing. The our private Jason Jensen, our private investigator, he kind of knew what he was doing, but I really didn't. Um, and I said, well, let's just see what other cases there are that might involve a screen or a, and that's when we found out there was no, no database, no, no central. So about how long ago was this that you started working with um, them? It, well, this was in 2017. 17. Okay. And so the first, really one of the first things we did was I contacted a legislator that I knew and said, would you be willing to run legislation to create a cold case database? And, uh, he said, sure. And so we had hearings and I testified and it was kind of funny. The first one, you know, I think there was some concern. Are the cops going to be unhappy with this and et cetera? So our very first one, I'm testifying and the legislator's sitting there and he says, okay, be ready. Be ready to answer questions. And this very powerful senator said, yeah, I'd like to say something. And he's like, be ready, be ready. <laughs> and, uh, and then she said, my husband's cousin has been missing now. For a very long time, it's the oldest missing person case in Utah. And she said, and this is a very important bill, and we need to do this. And then it, it went wow. through, passed unanimously. I remember, I remember was, when that that Maine? Got was that Maine? Was that Maine? It was Margaret. It was Dayton. Oh, Dayton. Okay, I've met her before. You're talking about a time when I kind of used to be a little bit more up on the legislators. So yeah. that's really cool, though, especially if you're expecting like. You know, flashback or you don't know because it's a new thing but it, and then and then i agreed to meet with some representatives of law enforcement and i actually went there it was supposed to be like a five minute introduction of what do we do and i get there and there's 14 law enforcement representatives there and they're all kind of leaning back you know <laughs> their arms crossed and i thought oh this is not good <laughs> um but we just had a very frank discussion what can we offer? What do we do? What do we not do? You know, and I remember one of the prosecutors said, are you going to just stomp around my crime scenes, Kara? And and uh, what if you guys do something and it hurts the prosecution? And I said, well, first of all, I'm a Fourth Amendment lawyer. Um, so that'll help. That should help. Right. Uh, and, but second, you know, we're private. So if we, if we kind of do something like we are accidentally on trespassing or something like that, it's. 
not going to it's not going to cause the evidence to be suppressed. And I said, and finally, would you rather have a suspect that you might have to work work at or no suspect? But it, it turned out well. Well, hopefully once they realize, no, we're all working together, we're not against you. Hopefully they kind of, OK, I see where this is going. You know, I think so. I, but I did get asked at one point. He said one guy said um, one chief said, so if you don't like how we're handling the case, are we going to you guys going to do a big press conference? Uh, and I said, not without talking to you first. And we had a very good dialogue. And then that chief actually had one of his deputies contact us. And um, we get contacted a lot. You know, do you guys have anything on this or? So I know, uh, we talked in depth about Ted Bundy. So last year we, was it last year? We did a segment. I don't remember. It might have been two years ago. So at the end of every month we do different segments. So it was either one or two years ago. We did infamous Utahns. And so we'd, we'd spend one, uh, one week, our, a, one week a month, we a spend month. Yeah, just, talk so, so one of our podcasts, not super in depth for us, just kind of skimming the surface, but kind of giving everybody an idea of something infamous about Utah. So we did Utah. Ted Bundy, and and in Ted Bundy, the thing in our research that we learned is back then nobody talked to each other. So the police force here in Salt like, Lake didn't talk to Murray. Didn't talk, yeah. Let right. alone Seattle, let alone all these places. And it was kind of after Ted Bundy that they started realizing, hey, we should talk to each other because we could have solved this a lot, a long time ago. So my whole point in that is what you're doing hopefully gets more people talking to each other. So you can compare, hey, we've got this going on here, but it looks similar to what you've got going over there. And if you cross reference, Hopefully it helps solve things quicker. And I, I think it will. You know, I was on the committee that, that, I mean, they were doing all the hard work and I was just asking questions there, but on how to design this thing. But the back end of it, which is just available to the law enforcement, but you can put things like green Volkswagen or you can do whatever because we, and there's still a lot of this. Um, like we were meeting with one, police officer and he was showing us some things about a particular case and i went wait a minute go back and i said well that guy is the lead suspect in a murder from such and such you know um, 13 years after what you're looking at and i could just be a coincidence but see they didn't they didn't have that ability but and we had another one where we described a vehicle or something and the guy said i think maybe our the case you're describing is connected to ours it's really hard, but I don't know if you ever heard of Salt Air Sally, some remains, human remains oh. that were identified finally by DNA a few years back. And that's just because there was no talking at the time or they would have known who that, that, that right. was Nicole. They would have known years earlier. See, I think that, I think that's cool that they can it makes so much sense now it together because it, it clearly didn't then. Right. Well, yeah. So one department's working hard. And if they could just talk to each other. So, so what are some of the cases with whatever you can talk about? What are some of the cases that you've worked on that you guys have been able to solve or help solve or help solve right. or, or, or see all the way through or just move along, like move stuff. Yeah. Right. And then, well, cause that's the thing. A lot of times we just pass on leads, you know, and then they'll tell us if we're barking up the wrong tree or not. But, um, and, and, we actually have several right now. We have about five or six solves that we're not authorized to discuss right now. Sure. Um, and some of them are, are DNA related from our laboratory, but 
it's still a nonprofit lab, still counts or whatever, but we have been able to produce some new witnesses in one of the things we're really into is that there were a bunch of murders in this valley in the eighties. For example, there are 17 unsolved murders of women under the age of 34 just between 1983 and 1989 in, in Utah. And before you think, well, you know, were those persons of color? You know, it's the deal on that. You know, all but one were Caucasian. I mean, there's not the usual, some of the factors. Um, and we've been able to, to dig up quite a bit of information that we've been, and we just pass it on as elite. We just package it. Right. So are those associated or just, you're talking about individual cases or? Some of them are associated. We think we've done a pretty good job of, of coming up with that and getting witnesses that would say some of them are just individual, but at the time they thought maybe it was a big serial killer. It actually, some of them are more mundane. We, one of them we've, in our mind, we've established it's, you know, it's a husband. Um, another it's one. always the spouse. <laughs> well, it's certainly they're, one, they're, number one. They're coming for you, babe. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's why you're not going to get away with it. I mean, you can, you know. <laughs> We're not married yet. We still got a, a couple months before yeah, that. Yeah. Li- I think it's, a, as of this recording, I think it's 64 days today until we get married. <laughs> you know, I, I noticed that she's actually drawing on the wall as if it were a prison <laughs> sentence, that she's just doing a little. Uh, yeah, I closed the other, fingers. I closed the other door. He has a, has a shackle mark, so. back yeah. there. <laughs> but, and, okay. Well, this this will be recorded for <laughs> evidence. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so we have that. We have uh, – it's hard to – because we're not authorized. We've, we just had a really good solve in another state nice. that we're waiting for them to announce. And we're stoked, but we have no authority – that's what's, I gotta admit, it's frustrating because right. we're like, oh, come on. Come on, we got this. <laughs> You're like, look at all this stuff that clearly points to this person being the, the, the perpetrator. And- well, and it's probably helpful, um, with you with having the law background. You know, as a lay citizen, when you look at, what we think is evidence and you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's so obvious. It's that person. We're not looking at it with the idea of, okay, what can actually be proved and used against them and hold up. It's because we watch too much law and order in a court of law. (laughs) You do grandpa. But, but that's something I'm sure that, that you guys, when you're looking at stuff, okay, yeah, this looks suspicious, but is it suspicious just because we're specifically looking for suspicious things or is it specific suspicious because it's actual evidence that might lead to something. Well, and that's true. And we, I mean, we do pass on tips that we, after we screen them, you know, I mean, but, but we do try to look for things that we don't think are hearsay or what. I mean, if you give a case to a prosecutor that cannot be prosecuted, I mean, gee, thanks. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You just wasted everybody's time. Yeah. And so, but on the other hand, if it's, if it's really good, we're, we're not going to just keep stuff to ourselves because sometimes they, would because the police can then say, "Oh, we hadn't seen that name." You know, give us some, give us a chance to go explore that. And so I, I think there's, I do think it helps that we try to get better quality uh, of evidence. Like we just interviewed a couple of ladies, um, the, um gee, I can't, last week or this week. I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> but anyway, and so they would be like, "Well, this happened." You know, the the husband knew this and everything. And I'd say, now, okay, now, how how do you know that? You know, is, who did you hear that from? Is it? Um, and so, and after a while, I think they realized 
what I what we were doing, and they'd say, "Okay, I heard that one from this source, this source, this source," and that that made it a lot easier. That happens to be my that makes hearsay a little bit easier to find. Like. It, you know, but didn't but he, and it, well, if the, of course, if it's you're hearing it from a murder victim, it's that's going to be hearsay. But yeah, it's but it's different. But it's different because they're dead. Yes, and so yes, <laughs> they can't give a firsthand account anymore. So they cannot. Although we have one case where she was writing a letter, and back in the eighties, at least I did anyway. I would write these big long letters, and then I would stop and go to work or whatever. And then I would keep writing when I got home or I would, I don't know if anybody, you guys are too young for that, but. No. Okay. <laughs> I, back, I wrote letters as a kid. I, that was the thing. There was no email. They, they, made, no they made us that. write them. I didn't like doing it. I but they st- made yeah. Do I, it. I'm a cursive writer. That's still my go-to for notes and yeah, no. So, yeah. yeah so you. So this woman, well, she was about, would have been about my age. And so she was writing a friend and her letters would be 20, 30 pages long because she would just, and then she would start a new day. And she wrote, she was writing a letter and she said, well, I'm going to be off work in 20 minutes and then I'm going to walk home. And then she was murdered on the way home. And so you, sometimes you do get a sense at least of what the person was like. That's actually one of the projects we are really excited that we're doing. We are trying to find recordings and letters and video or any of that stuff, even if it's a court appearance, there's going to be something in the court appearance that would give people a sense of what the person was like. So we're really working on that project to try to get writings and audio and stuff of victims. So I, I want to go back a little bit because we, we've talked about a lot of different things that you guys do. And I know you want to go a little bit more in depth on on uh, some of them. Um, but. I want to take a step back and, and the cold case coalition that you formed, what is your actual mission? And then let's talk about all the different things that you actually do uh, with regards to cold cases. You know, our mission is basically just bringing closure to families and communities uh, in unsolved. Um, I think we call it uh, now we call it unresolved deaths and okay. disappearances. We had to change it because we've gotten several cases reclassified as homicides so from missing persons to homicides no from from like suicides or deaths or or yeah or the the favorite our favorite which is just undetermined (laughs) and i'm like this is not undetermined and then we've had some where they were closed and then unfortunately we we proved that the person who would confess literally could not have done it i mean physically could not have done it and that's not something that the law enforcement really appreciate, but. Oh, they hate that. They hate that, which is why I hate the death penalty, but that's for a different show. And that's the other thing is you get, you, once the death penalty is implemented, regardless of your viewpoint of it, from a cold case point of view, you will never get any subsequent remorse or confessions, you know, Mm-hmm. And so that does shut things off there where we kind of think, oh, I want, we, th- we like some people for other murders, but you know, they're gone. We're going to, I don't know how we're ever going to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. If you guys want to know my opinion on the death penalty, <laughs> there's a couple episodes you it's can listen a, to. It's from a few years ago because yeah, it started out. It, what, to, it was because when we were doing our infamous Utah. If you, if you go to, if it. you just go to our website, the com and just search death penalty, you will sure find, find probably like 10 episodes where I go on long <laughs> diatribes about why I hate the death penalty and why I think it's crazy. Well, it was, it was weird because, um, I think it was Cassidy that started it when she was in high school too. I hadn't really given that much thought to it. And we were kind of, 
I guess, kind of a pro-death penalty family. Like, it wasn't a thing, but they had talked about it in school, and she came home, and she just, like, laid all of this information out about why that this was bad, and I just looked at her and went, yeah, I am, I'm convinced, like, you've changed the way I think about how a punishment should go, and that's also a theme through this thing where my kids change my mind about things, but the... Like that was what five or six years ago, really, where I hadn't really thought about it. And when I did think about it, I thought, yeah, that that should happen. People murdered people. They should just not be here. And then she's like, no. And she laid out these reasons why. And I went, yeah, I need to change my thought process on that one. I haven't been pro death penalty since I was like 15. Well, yeah. But like I said, it wasn't something that we thought about that much as a family. And then they discussed it in school. You talked about, you know, thinking about things in school. And she totally changed the way I thought about things. And I went, yeah, we can't just arbitrarily just get rid of people because we think that they might've done something like a punishment is one thing, but the ultimate punishment may be a little bit far. Did she raise the, the exoneration issue? I mean, from a forensic point of view, I mean, it is to me, it's not just a possibility. It is an absolute that we have executed innocent people in this country. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And look at all of the people on death row who have been definitively excluded by DNA. We've exonerated people by DNA that have already died. Well, and even if you just think about just people who have done any crime, they get out of jail. Not in this state, but in other states, especially in the South, there have been plenty of people that they have later exonerated that had already been put to death. And what they do, though, is sometimes the prosecutors will say, well, it wasn't their DNA, but maybe they mm-hmm. had somebody with them or something. There was a perfect opportunity to look at this out, coming out of Tennessee where the the person has been executed. And after the execution, the high court in Tennessee said, you know what? His request for DNA testing really should have been granted. <laughs> yeah, <like. laughs> so, the, so the family, I mean, I'm thinking, wow, that's OK. I thought that case was moot, but this is great. Um, the family then says, please do this DNA testing, right? You should have done it. You just guys just jumped the gun. Should have waited for the Supreme Court to rule. Anyway, and uh, no, no, because he's dead now. You can't, so you can't do it. And, and I believe that the reason they are fighting and fighting and fighting that is because once it is definitively proved, because in that case, there's only one, only one possibility. There's no way the prosecutor can argue something yeah. different. I, I think they're concerned w- of what people will do um, once they realize that it's absolutely true that we have um, executed innocent people. But that's one of the things we do, by the way, is we help with exonerations as well. And it is unfortunate sometimes, I guess, from the law enforcement point of view, only in that they may have chucked the evidence. Oh, yeah. They get their conviction. That guy's been in jail for 20 years, like. And I say that guy because it's almost always men. Oh yes, <laughs> but, including that, the guilty ones. Yeah, but that, yeah. but it's been you know it's been chu- it's been ch- it's been chucked in the you know the bin because it's been twenty years. Like we don't need that evidence anymore. It's and then all of a sudden you definitively prove this guy couldn't have done it. Right, um, there's no way possible. Yeah, right. And then you you go like for example this person. Well, there's a case in Provo, and her name. Uh, was Marla Sharp, and she ha- was a former BYU student, but she was living down there in 1978, and she was and she was murdered. And I, this is one of the things that got us started on the, some of the exoneration things too. I was speaking at a at a legal education thing, 
And afterwards, some people came up and this woman's cousin came up and she had written down on the materials a little chronology of what happened with Marla's murder. And she said, this was blamed on a guy, but would you look at this? And so as a group, we went, there's a conviction. This isn't, this isn't a cold cold case, (laughs) but we looked at it and we proved um, it took a lot. We had to hire people in Texas and dig things out of old courthouses. And anyway, it took a lot of effort, took months, but we proved definitively that the guy who had confessed literally could not have done it. Cause for one thing, he wasn't physically capable of, um, producing some of the evidence. <laughs> um, and, and I think they, and I think they knew that cause we, we got a recording. We were able to get a hold of a recording from oh, back wow. then where the law enforcement officer said, well, what do you mean he can't, you know, produce that evidence? And, and anyway, but, um, and that I feel bad, but the sister told me, she said that my parents would have rather known the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think that's the case with most, most victims' families. Like, they would rather know the actual truth and that the person that is, uh, behind bars is, is actually the right person, you know, if, if that was the right person that they well, got. That- and there's people out there who admit to murders for, I, I'm sure there's some psychological thing behind it. There's some famous ones that have confessed to, to like being sociopathic murderers and they didn't do any of them. Well, Henry Lee Lucas yeah. is the guy who had confessed to oh. Marla Sharp. But when you listen to the recording, I, mean, I totally get it. These law enforcement officers, they were desperate, right? I mean, all over the country. They want closure. They do, and they, they and they genuinely want the cases solved. But when you listen to the recordings, it's kind of like, well, do you remember her? Uh, would she that brunette kid? Uh, uh, no, uh, you know. And then they would just feed the information to him. But it's we have two more in Utah that were attributed to Henry Lee Lucas, and the odds of that are slim to none. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so you guys do some exonerations. Um, let's, let's talk about, uh, the lab that you guys just opened because that's a, that's a really big deal. Um, yeah, it, it was. We actually, when we made the announcement that we were going to open a nonprofit forensic DNA lab, I mean, we got, we got well wishes from France and Poland and all. And I thought, okay, this, I should have known right then that meant this is really hard. <laughs> um, but we did that because, you know, we were working on Rosie's case. And there was a piece of evidence that hadn't been tested. And Salt Lake City has been good. They've tested a lot of things. But there was a piece of evidence. It was actually a Barbie doll. And and there was a reason why there was a belief that it might somehow be related to the the case. But th- there was no money for DNA funding. So we just said, well, we'll have it done. And we were shocked at how much it cost. It's not cheap. It not was. Not through a private lab. It was un believable and so we started doing some math and said well at this rate if we're going to just pay for all this dna testing let's just try to do it non-profit you know and so that's kind of, plus i had gotten a call from a midwestern state and uh, some there's some calls you just don't forget and this law enforcement officer had been obsessed with trying to identify this child that they had found years and years ago and he said, we don't have any money. These private labs want to charge a lot. And we don't know how to do this genealogy thing. And and we had a really long talk. And and I just thought, somebody's got to do something to bring these these prices down. 
And it's, it's actually been very satisfying. We had four, and again, we can't disclose them yet, or, but we had four solves, uh, last month. The, through the DNA. Through, through the, the lab, yeah. Through the DNA. And then, yeah. I mean, it's not as much fun as having the witnesses come forward, you know, but. <laughs> It's a lot more definitive. I don't know. Sometimes. I think it would be kind of cool if you're the person doing it and you kind of see the results coming through and you're like, wait well, a minute, there might be something here. And you turn that over and it's something. I, I feel like that would just be the most fulfilling thing as the person in the lab. But, but yeah, let me ask how, how, how connected or disconnected are the lab workers? Because that's a, that's the thing when we're talking about evidentiary handling, like, you don't necessarily want them super connected to the cases that they're doing, right? No, they're they're all about the science. They don't, whereas because I'm not the science person, you know, I can I can just go in and they they it is they are very sweet. They all used to work for a well known local um, DNA lab for years. So I and they're just kind of you know. Mm-hmm. It's like that old joke about the police dispatcher having to report on their own house on fire. Yes, there's a fire at 1875. <laughs> um, that's kind of what these lab folks are like. But they're That's because that other company ruined them. Well, <laughs> well, and it's about, to them, it's about the science. But they will do things like if I'm in the room next door doing cold case stuff, they'll kind of knock and they'll say, want to see our new bone crusher? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> yes. Because we do have an awesome bone crusher that, and it, it actually, of course they have to bleach the bone and then they have to do some shavings and things. And then it pulverizes it faster than the human eye. So cool. Um, but we're getting results off of that. That, uh, that stuff's so cool. I got to go see one of our clients. We, we have a bunch of COVID labs, uh, like big high process COVID labs. I could go see some of their high tech robotic equipment that they got to run, you know, 10,000 plus tests a day. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, that stuff's so cool. It is cool. And, and with the robotics, I mean, I wish they could, they could automate more. I mean, they have some things that are automated, but the, the main thing that needs to be automated is some of this next generation sequencing, the stuff that is used for like the, like the genetic genealogists mm-hmm, use mm-hmm. and everything. Because right now, the, the, like the one that we have in the lab, you know, it's like days of uh, attending. And oh, it's it's crazy. And the computer software, the algorithms that run that stuff are also... Like you think like computers operate really fast. And it, genomes are... Like DNA is just such a massive amount of information. It's it's really wild how much processing power those things take. It it is amazing, but I do hope that I mean we we applied for a grant to try to automate like this thing because it would have cut down the timing by about seventy five percent. That's but, crazy. That's great. But no, we were denied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Federal government, I guess, said you know, suck it. <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, fine. You just hang on to your two hundred fifty thousand unsolved cases. There, we'll just do them one at a stinking time here. <laughs> maybe maybe once you hit another, you know goal you know like another mile marker or something you can apply again and they'll be like huh maybe there is something to this lab out there and you talk so so with the nonprofit lab you guys are um mostly working like dna evidence that police forces just haven't been able to work or are you working stuff that that families are bringing to you primarily or or what what are you doing there um a lot of times it is um okay families come to us because they they right or wrong they feel like they're their cases have been uh, ignored. And in some cases, we simply tell them, you know what, 
we've looked into this and we're not going to work on this for six months because they really are working this. And that's all we can say. And so sometimes it's just telling the family they are well aware of your case and are working it. Sometimes not so much. And and we get witnesses. We get a, see we, for one of the things we do is we're the only state in the union that offers a reward on every cold case. And that's because we offer a reward on every cold case. Because if you look at the socioeconomic demographics of what where the rewards usually go, they exclude about 90% of the, I mean, let's face it, they're usually wealthy mm-hmm. white families. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't see, you don't see like big rewards for, remember that, the girl, I think they found her body finally up in a canyon, but the, mm-hmm. uh, the one, the girl that was kidnapped out, out of that language center in Provo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Salgado. Yeah. Yeah. I remember right after that happened, I had a customer that was like in the same parking lot. Um, and we but, talked about that, like when it happened. Yeah. And when they, re- found, thankfully, they, you know, they recovered her body, which was, is huge. But, you know, that, I think they the whole family came up from Mexico and they were able to post up like, Less than a thousand dollars for a reward. It, yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, that's a case that we have worked extensively. Oh, you guys worked that too, huh? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's the still family are probably right because it's still unsolved. It, it's still unsolved. I mean, I think we have a reasonable hypothesis. I guess we'll put it that way. That and we have submitted a couple of. Sometimes what we do is we just package it up. Now, I will say this: there's been a fair number of times that we will talk to the subject. You know, I actually had a subject reach out to me on a case once. And I thought, well, this is going to be weird. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to record this. And then I'm going to meet in a very public place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I'm not going to go. I'm not inviting him to my house. <laughs> right. You know, but I was at the time, I was just such an income poop because it was way early. And I was like, I got my phone on in my pocket. And I'm, okay, I'm surrounded by people here at this place. And because I remember, I'm a lawyer. I don't. Yeah do this stuff <laughs> anyway and of course as i'm whatever my phone comes out and hits the ground you can tell it's recording because it makes that noise and i said oh how did how that get turned on i mean i was, I was like so and i was good. like i don't want to do this i don't want to be in the field so to speak but over time and we have we've had people donate things i mean we have an underwater drone to look like we just last or a few days ago we were trying to look to see if there's a car with the, with the drought there are several well, lakes. They're pulling all kinds oh, of vehicles yeah. out. Yeah, I just heard something mm-hmm. on the the radio today about a car they found from like 1980-something. Yeah. It, but, but this is the time to look. if you know, And if the family thinks those people ended up in that thing, so we we do that. We have underwater drone, which was donated. That's We've so got cool. ground-penetrating radar so that we can see if there's a, a grave or a body or something. And um, just quite a bit of stuff. We, we can... You know, we have a private investigator who's licensed, so he can do trackers, you know, within the statute. So who's doing all this? Like you? Or well, like I do. I mean, we have she a lot operates of the drones. Oh, so. I, no way. <laughs> Jason does the drone. Tom does a lot of the recording. I do the overall, overall strategy or whatever you call it. <laughs> but then we get, we get volunteers. Like when we had magnet fishing day. Um, Magnet fishing, that's getting to be quite the thing. I'm telling, well, it's addictive. Okay, let me just tell you. So have you done it then? Oh, ha- yeah. <laughs> that's why they have magnet fishing days now. <laughs> well, I had, I'd never heard of it, right? And then okay, I, this is, I gotta be honest, this is the first time I've ever heard really? of magnet fishing. Oh. Okay, well, tell it all about it. I mean, it. I clearly can, like, kind of guess what it is, yeah. but it's the first time I've heard that it's a thing. Oh, it's okay. a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Yeah, and it's a really, really fun thing. And it's good for the environment. And now you, 
I because I saw that people have been pulling guns up with their magnets, right? So, so it's a a powerful magnet. Mm-hmm. Basically, put it on a fishing line and go to a river or a stream. It's very popular over bridges for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You throw that bad boy in and see what comes up. I mean, you could spend that all terrifying. <laughs> it, well, it is scary, but I mean, like the Jordan River, you could pretty much magnifish the rest of your life. And you, you'd hit that. Um, I wish they, but like one time when we were looking for something specific and we found some keys that we belong, we believe belonged to the victim because victim was rolled up and thrown into the river. But we also found shanks and a bunch of semi-automatic bullets and just, uh, I mean, like I said, the Jordan River. <laughs> I mean, we seriously thought about applying for a grant to help clean that river out because we, sh- you know, we shouldn't be able to find all that. I can only. Well, there's imagine. such a joke about like all the dead bodies that people just in the Jordan River, but find there's a lot of truth you're, to that. As you're walking down, you know, the parkway, and you're like, "Oh, look, there's a so, dead body." There's there's YouTube channels that are that are magnet fishing, and they it, there's anyway, the and I mean, it's not all like. Guns and knives. They a lot of padlocks and uh, rebar, and or just I mean, but but you are poles. cleaning out some of the stuff. I mean, we were careful. Well, we had must have probably had thirty people there, and and it was, we just assigned them different grids, and looking for some specific things. But you also kind of gather up all the the junk crap that people have got under there. You're not hurting any fish. You're you have to you have to go in the water periodically to get your thing unstuck. I mean, I, I, I gotta admit, I love it. <laughs> I love <laughs> magnet fishing. Do people's magnets ever get stuck together? Um, no, but they will. Let me just say about trying it on bridges. Oh, bonk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh huh. That does happen. It does, and then you are. Hey, yeah. how come there aren't more bodies dumped in the Provo River? Because that's a pretty good, fast-moving river, unlike the Jordan River. Maybe where there are, and they're it. all down at the bottom somewhere. <laughs> like they're all been washed away because <laughs> it's fast-moving. <laughs> Well, I will say this. The Jordan River is very convenient here. Because yeah. it runs right through the middle of the valley. Well, and right through the middle of the valley where there's nothing. It's all riparian, like riparian habitat around it. So it's all wooded. And, and walking trails, but there's not but very not many. not houses or houses businesses. But like right if, up yeah, so like if you're walking there, if you can disguise whatever you're carrying, people aren't going to be like, why is that person also, walking in this weird if place? If you've ever been to where the Jordan River is at, like in a downtown area, like what? It was like seven, it's not 7th West, maybe 9th West. Um I don't know. It's where my data center is, where where uh, one of the data centers, the Vi West data center, is downtown. It's like a it's like a R like an old RV graveyard along it, and so there's like all these derelict RVs that like people are pseudo living out of, but they're far off the street, and then the canals right there for the river, and yeah, I I would imagine there's some nefarious things that go on there, and stuff gets tossed <laughs> in the river in that space. So I I think there's. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of go-to there on the, on the, but, but it is fun to think of these things where volunteers can help or if we're looking for something. We had one, sometimes we, like, uh, another thing we do is we can identify human or animal bones and sometimes people don't want to call the police. Let's say they, they're hiking out in the desert and they don't, is this Susan Powell? Or, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not oh, joking. Yeah, no, no. Um, and, you know, and, but they don't want to call the police in case it's an animal bone. And we have people we can send photos to or, um, I mean, we have our own cadaver dog now and we also have, so we have, and, and we're not offended, you know, hey, we'll go out and look it up because we don't, one of the things we're trying to do is, is free up police for other things. Right. Like sometimes we get, 
like we got, uh, we've gotten some tips before from people who want the reward and we do follow all leads. But if you tell me that your husband murdered so-and-so, I, I better not find out that your husband was in prison <laughs> uh, at that time. Um, cause then I have to look, you know, Harry Houdini, I guess, or something, but and we, so we do get some of that. We spend, we are able to screen and then there's a lot of people that just will not talk to police. This one woman called and she said, my, my husband said he'd kill me if, if I talk to the police, but you're not the police. And I was like, you know, that that's just a technicality. It, uh-huh. I mean, you know, I don't I think it was the concept, you know. I mean, I was like, really, don't do anything unsafe. Please don't do anything unsafe. Um, but, you know, we had a good talk and we keep things confidential. What else do you guys what else do you guys do? Because, I mean, you're do it sounds like you do tons and tons of things for these cases and for these people that come to you so you've got your lab you do some exonerations um you know you do some publicity magnet fishing to find evidence (laughs) like what are some of the other things that you guys are doing lots of um we spend a lot of time doing the 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 interviewing of of people we we have one case for example where for whatever reason None of the family members, well, I guess the parents, but none of the other family members of the victim were interviewed. So when we got around to them, they were like, well, this is what I know. I know that my father did this. And, oh, really? How do you know? Because here's what I know. And here's what I saw. And here's what I heard. And they were like, oh, holy crap, your father did do it. You know? <laughs> How the yeah. hell did they only interview him and your mom and not you guys? <laughs> like, uh, I'll tell you something that's interesting. I, a case that I am particularly obsessed with um, that we're working on is a really old one out of Layton. And, and, and this is one where, because, you know, my mom is still in the, the, you know, she's getting up there, but she's still sharp as, as attack and all that stuff. She's like, see, I told you to be an attorney. Yeah, she did, you know, and she said, now you're getting to do what you want to, you know, you want to do, but. Told us how. Yeah. But so I said, well, you want to work on this, you know, want to work on this case and make some things. You're the same age, basically, as that victim was, because this was 50 years ago. And, and so she thinks of lots of things like, well, that ironing board couldn't have been there. In, in, back in the day, you didn't do your ironing board that way. And so it's been real helpful. But the other thing is she's enraged because she, they never interviewed the women. Yeah. So, I could see that. Yeah. So, and, and she's just like, if they had just interviewed any of the women, they would have known exactly what happened, but they don't. Their husbands knew more. Uh-huh. Well, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. But but not to be like, you know, jumping on the bandwagon, but I tease Chris about this a lot. Uh, Jeremy, not as much. But I when I hear about processes and things, sometimes I go, that was clearly invented or done by a man. There is no way a woman would do that. Like, tons, I, I can't, of course, my, my mind is totally blank, but, but just along the lines of those interviews, Sometimes I think, uh, just the way the world is right now, and I, and it's very clearly changing, but men just think about things differently and, and what's expected. And because the police force and investigation is so predominantly male centric, they kind of forget that women are very valuable resources or you know, the, a, a process can be done a different way just because it's been done that way the whole time. And they forget that when it comes to organizing and getting things together for the whole history of the world, women organized 
houses. They used to be in charge of finances. They take care of whole families and that whole world. And yet they're like, nah, women, they would never do that. Hey, to defend men here. It's not that we don't think as as well as women. It's just that we don't think. There's a big difference. Okay, points. It's not that we're thinking of things differently. We just don't. But 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 I mean, I think it's it's true. And so I I as I sit here and 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 you're talking about this, I think that some of this success has to do with the fact that you are utilizing thought processes of everyone and not just this old school police thought about how to proceed through an investigation, right? You're going at it from a completely different way, which maybe opens your mind to seeing things, evidence or another road or thinking about interviewing the other family members that I don't think that they do maliciously. They just literally don't think about it. Well, and especially in back in the 80s. Now, this one that we're working on in Layton uh, it was from 1970, but in the 80s, frankly, I don't think people realize how overwhelmed Utah was with unsolved murders. I mean, it's kind of, it's really shocking. Uh, but I, uh, there's a the thing about the women is I think maybe sometimes there's a little more detail orientation. I mean, I don't want to do a stereotype either or anything, but you know, you put a woman in a group or, or something and you're going to know everything. Like what, what, what's everybody doing and what's, how's the neighbor and what they say next? You know, but sometimes if you ask a guy, oh, what are they doing? Like, oh, I don't know. You know, I it's like, well, didn't you ask? Didn't you ask? What, how, you know, no. So-and-so had a baby. Oh, was it a boy or a girl? Well, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. No, that's, that, what that's was the totally name? right. I don't, know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't bother my neighbors. I don't know. He doesn't bother me. I don't bother him. Right. And yet we would want to know and we'd want to know everything. And so it's, it's kind of like that. But this one in Layton, though, I have, I have to say, cause this was a, this is a weird reason why I'm so into this case. Okay. So I live in Layton and then one night I was just kind of bored or I don't know, whatever. So I just thought I'm going to buy an, a storage unit. Um, okay, they abandoned, they, oh, they sell those, the, right? Yeah, like, like the storage wars on or TV. Type of the, yeah, and it was up in Ogden, and I, and, I, and it was like, the, and of course the thing is the auction ended in 10 minutes. That's what forced me to then immediately do it. And then somebody was bidding against me, so that wasn't going to happen. Um, so basically I'm just like, oh yeah, bid, I will bid, have it. Bid. Yeah. Yeah. Is this COVID time when you're Well, it's none of your beeswax on that. Um, it was important learning experience. Um, Anyway, so I, then we, I win this storage unit. I managed to talk to my brother who's got a truck. And I said, we have to go up there and now we have to, uh, you know, eh, you know, <laughs> anyway. But I did he was, this impulsively. We got to go undig this thing. Out. <laughs> yeah, he was not real. Anyway, he's like, this is the last bleep. We're ever going to bleep. You're never doing this bleep. But, but all of a sudden he's kind of like when he's hauling the stuff, he looks at it and he goes, Hey, here's a cold case for you. And I was like, ha. Ah. And he said, no, it's a cold case. And this woman had written a story. She was a neighbor of someone involved in this murder. Wow. And the story she wrote was information we had never, I had, I didn't even know it was a cold case. It was like a notebook she'd written it in? It was kind of like a family history. Like, hey kids, when we were young, we lived in Layton and there was a triple murder. And here's (laughs) what I know about it. Wow. And, And at the time I thought, well, I've never heard this case can't be a cold case. But I came back to it later and went, oh my gosh. Um, and that's, and, and now that's why we're working on it because we've, it, we're, we, there's a question about 
you and know, now you have an excuse to buy more storage lockers. Oh, never, never, no. <laughs> and now your brother isn't quite as mad at you as No, more, more. Uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't do crime stuff <laughs> at, at all. He just, if it's not politics, he's not. Was there anything else of interest in it or was it just junk? Well, I mean, there was tools or something. But you know what I found out later? I just felt horrible about this. I should have known it, but I got a hold of the the woman who wrote that note is still living in another state. And I, and I got a hold of her son and he got, and when in response to my message, he said, my brother was killed in an accident on a highway and somebody, they stole all of his stuff. What do you know about the people that had that storage unit? I mean, and I was like, and I felt like such an idiot because I told him, I said, we tried not to look at any of the personal information out of, and, and I was like, <laughs> I, I had no idea this could have, this, this I felt really. That's so Because you just think the storage unit is just someone that just stopped paying for it. And... Yeah, well, that's the thing. And if there's, you, I just figured there's nothing in there of particular import or people. I mean, maybe. Yeah. On the other hand, I have found out that, that sometimes that's not true with people. And then I feel bad. But but this one, and I don't think most people would have even noticed that thing had he not just was it, what I do. was it just yeah. totally at random that he like he opened just, it? yeah it was like this woman's family thing or something yeah. and just a binder and i think he's just looking through it and then he sees so like crazy. if i'm gonna be here doing this stupid thing i'm gonna do it the way i want to do it <laughs> yes it, what are the odds though holy cow that's wild <laughs> it's crazy and and that's now our big uh our our biggest project right now and we're gonna solve that one so how do how do people help? Um, how do people get involved with your organization? And I have a lot of volunteers. How do people actually help you guys? What's what's the most helpful? Um, a couple things. First of all, I'm going to start with the boring stuff because we need help with the boring stuff. But if you help us with something boring, we will then give you something really cool <laughs> to work on. But like for example, um, today I was. Uh, with my mother who I had roped into this down at the state archives, just going through old boxes of some prison records. Um, that may be kind of boring to people, but it's super important. I think that'd be fascinating. Well, it actually too. It, it, it actually is. Um, <laughs> I'd probably get really sidetracked as I was doing it. Like, oh, what is this? Oh, this is a cool person. Or so she ends up bringing like five more cases to you, not even related to the one you had to look. I'm like, for. look at all this stuff I found. Is this anything? It it, it was interesting because then you just you you read all of these communications and you go like, what out? that warden was a free thinker or whatever, you know, you just super, I personally, that's my favorite thing to do is to research those things. But I think some people prefer the surveillance um, or going and trying to dig up the body or going to, yeah, I don't want to dig out bodies. I'm okay with surveillance. I'm okay with like looking. I'll let you it. go magnet fishing if you I, do. Something I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if I want to do the magnet fishing. I feel like I would pull up something really you're not Girl, pulling up disgusting. a dead body, though. Well, I know, not but there's stuff that's metal. stuck to <laughs> yeah. it. Got belt buckle with a condom. Well, if on Chris it. was in the water, I might pull him up. He's got a metal leg. <laughs> see, there, see, there you go. You could save a life, but no, you're not willing. No, just, <laughs> he chains me to the wall. <laughs> but it, only on some days. <laughs> that stuff is. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, we shouldn't joke about that. With a I'm lawyer, sure. you guys are. <laughs> No, we joke about that all the time. Well, he's what's the, who's he's the, one of those people that does really dumb things in the grocery store. Like he'll just randomly say something like, "What? I don't know. I can't even think of it. We haven't been to the grocery store regularly for so long, but like he'll just say like, don't make me hit you. Yeah, yeah. he does. 
and I just start laughing and I, I think, put that if, back. We don't buy the good peanut butter. And I think, <laughs> what do the people around us think? Because he's clearly not an abusive person to me. That's but her, I'm her five feet tall, and he's like six ten, and it clearly I, I outweighs not, me. I am not six ten. I She's mean, making five, me out 10, to be a sorry, giant. I'm at five ten, <laughs> and and like he he could clearly overpower me. But he does, and so I'm just over there, just like rolling, laughing, and I'm thinking, what are these people thinking? Like, one of these days, somebody's gonna come try and rescue me from this guy, <laughs> and it will be very sweet. I mean, that's the problem. They'll they'll think they're doing great, and then there'll be a big tussle, and then they'll be on the internet while half the people think they were a blank blank a Karen, um, <laughs> and the other half will say, "Yay!" Yeah. So you need volunteers. So archives. Sorry, stuff. I derailed you on that one. So. Checking the archives. Um, okay, I'm just saying there's some things like that or going to the court and making copies. I mean, these things are crucial. But some of the other stuff that we need, and and by the way, we do do some vetting, right? Yeah. You know, and we make people sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but they're very binding because she's an attorney. Well, that's that is a thing. <laughs> um, yes, I don't pay attorney fees. So. <laughs> um, but and we need people that, for example, timelines. We resolved one case by simply having somebody do a timeline um, that actually showed there was a great big window and the police didn't realize that the person had enough time. So we need stuff like that. We need people to sometimes just to sit with somebody if there is some kind of a surveillance going on, just sit in the car. Um, you know, we wouldn't put somebody dangerous, but sometimes we have to go track that kind of thing. We do do some digging. We do searches. Um and they use that ground penetrating radar. Someone's got to use a shovel. Well, like or we, a we drain, and I will say, I got to give credit to my brother. Um, we drained a pond. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, um, that, and the day after that, I went out and got liability insurance because <laughs> at one point we were like, where's that water going? Um, no, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I hope it was pollution liability insurance. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was just general liability insurance, but, um, Anyway, we did drain a pond and we did find um, a, a piece of human remains because we had been told that the that the person had been and that. But those kinds of things are tough. But see, somebody there volunteered and brought one of those. Oh, it's a bobcat only it's bigger. I don't know what the I can't remember the front, loader. front loader. Yeah, yeah, to help do that and so um, things like that. Or, I mean, the the amount of what we really need though is i gotta say if we had to pick one thing it would be people looking at some of these case things and making lists of witnesses and things like that oh my gosh so you, that sounds like an ideal job for me <laughs> it's it's fun i, I mean, am such a list maker and a spreadsheet like our wedding has like five spreadsheets <laughs> and i started a calendar for all of our friends that are going with like links in it so one. that they can like yeah the, she's just like why aren't you volunteering already yeah, I, say, I, I, I'm, I'm actually like seriously, like once we have like the wedding and stuff over, cause it's just in two months, I, I, I'm seriously considering this you know, timeline stuff. Oh, you'd probably like it. I mean, witness so-and-so says they saw him at 915, but that cannot be true because the cab driver says it was whatever. And so it's a, it's a lot of putting pieces together, but because of their receipt said that they were at Walmart at 905 and it takes 20 minutes to get from there to their house. Like yes, what and- the hell? Yes, but then you have to check when, when was the time change that year. And I mean, anyway, it's just, it's a lot of interesting stuff. We spent, I will say this though, it's, um, I did get a compliment from law enforcement who said, you guys did some really impressive work on this. It's not him. You know, like, okay, fair enough. You know, like a lot of people, um, on ancestry.com, we build out trees 
of victims and suspects and all of that so that we can contact, you know, cousins no more than you'd think a lot of times, especially if they're local. Nosy cousins. Yeah. So it, I got to tell you, it's just a constant uh, – We, uh, it's hard to describe. But if if you can do any – I mean, in other things, if you don't want to do any of that, but, you, but you'd be willing to help us vacuum our headquarters, <laughs> you know, once a month or whatever or help uh, – that would be great. If you're good at fixing mechanical things, we have all of these things that break. Well, they're things that we, that I personally just don't know how to use. Um, they're <laughs> equipment that's been donated and like, you know, things that make cards and things that, or we, one of our volunteers, she said, well, how can I help? And I said, well, you make a deck of cards with 54, you know, unsolved cases here in Utah because we don't have any cards here, like 20 states do. And she's like, ah. Okay, and she did a great job. Huh, nice, nice. So, how do people get a hold of you guys if if they want to do that sort of stuff? Um, well, if okay, there's several ways. Uh, we have our main website that we are just transitioning to is called coldcasehelp.com, and then we also have a very active Facebook page, which currently still says Utah Cold Case Coalition, but we're we're now outside of Utah quite a bit. Um, just plain old email, it, we coldcasecoalition at gmail.com um, and I'm not going to give the phone number anymore because it's currently <laughs> coming to my cell number and and so <laughs> you know when we first started we didn't think we'd get that many calls and so do one of those other ones first. Yeah well I think that's most people prefer to do those sorts of things anyway uh, we have one more question for you and then we'll let you get out of here for, for the night um, we ask everyone that's on the show this but what is so you've made Utah your home clearly you've been here for Quite a while, um, you've established a nonprofit here. <laughs> I think I think you're here to stay. Um, what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Utah. Okay, I'm just gonna. People aren't gonna believe this. Utah is more reasonable than people think. Um, there are a lot of things that happen in Alabama or Florida or Texas that are shocking and our legislature is not that evil. <laughs> um, so we're not the worst. <laughs> we we're, we're not. Our, our legislators I think have more Welcome to Utah. You know, we're not the worst. Yeah, can you get a can you get a legislature a legislator up on the hill to uh, sponsor that as the state slogan? I think that should be the legislature state slogan. We're not the worst. We're not that evil. No, we're not (laughs) that evil. They're not. I would be, I'd be a multi, multi millionaire, whatever, if, um, if Utahns would do the stuff they're doing in Florida. You know, like, for Mm -hmm. example, I'm going to, we're going to punish you for not selling in certain places or whatever. I mean, I could just be kept busy all day long, but. Our legislature doesn't do things like that. That's uh, that's that's actually good to hear. That's I mean, really that's part of why we've started the podcast. Is Utah's not? We think Utah's great, and we think that even with mm-hmm. some of our quirky stuff, we're we're far from the worst for sure. And there's a so. lot more to Utah than people think, and that's mm-hmm. we like to dig deeper and yeah. So that's that's really cool. That's the first mm-hmm. time anybody's given us an answer like that. Also, no chiggers. That's <laughs> true. That is true. Holy Anyone crap. from the Midwest is that's going to be so big I, news. I'm from Iowa. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was born in Texas, so. Okay. Well, that's, I, I there you go. Chiggers. I don't know what a chigger is. They're, They're the worst fucking things in the grass. Ever. You walk through the, if you walk through tall grass in the south or the midwest mm-hmm. and you're not wearing pants, you're an idiot. Your legs are chewed oh. to shreds. I moved out here and I saw somebody lying on the ground, on the grass without a blanket or something. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. 
What are you doing? You're going to have bites all over you right. when you're gone. Nope. No fine. chiggers. Nope, it's, cool. it's too cold. It's awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I, this has been a blast. You guys are hilarious. So, Thank you so much. This has been fantastic, Kara. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the New Utah Podcast. Thank you to our guest, Kara Porter. That was a fun interview. If yeah. you if you can if you can spare some time and can help them out, I don't know. That's some of that sounds like fun to me. Yeah, and she said she said a ton off the air before we got started. Like they don't. They, so some nonprofits, like the people that work there, get paid. They take a wage. No one there makes money. Like when she was talking about hiring people, she's talking about they gather funds to hire someone in another state to physically do something for them. But it's like a short-term like contract gig. They yeah. don't have a bunch of employees. It literally is entirely volunteer, like she said, from vacuuming. And like donations and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and they pay out for for solved cases. It's them providing that money. It's not coming from other places. So Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. They definitely need all the help they can get. Um, and and a, not a lot of organizations, it's interesting, but not a lot of organizations prefer volunteer time. But if you'll notice, that's all she talked about. Um, so um, give your time. There's lots of cool ways you could uh, contribute there. Apparently, you can go magnet fishing. Yes. Hopefully, by the time you hear this episode, our air does not look like the inside <laughs> of a chimney. Um it's it really is fairly apocalyptic looking because I work in front of my window and I know kind of how the light changes throughout the day. The sun and, has been like orangey brown. All well, day. I've been I was working this morning and 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 things were kind of normal and then I all of a sudden I looked up and I'm like, why is the sky yellow instead of blue? And I look around and I can't see the mountains, and then I start hearing on the radio that. The, the smoke is blown in and then my boss talks about the wall of smoke and yeah i would love to be up in the mountains right now <laughs> not seeing well this i bet i wonder if it'll be a lot nicer in uh bear lake i hope so oh yeah because you're pretty high up yeah. in bear lake i don't think you're well gonna see. part of the problem with this valley is stuff gets trapped i'm interested to see how low the lake is yeah, we'll send pictures. That'll be yeah. Send me some pictures. Uh, meanwhile, I'm gonna be in. Maybe you'll see the monster. 110 degree Las Vegas. Or we'll with, find all the, uh, the cars. Long sleeve pants. <laughs> at the bottom of the lake. Long sleeve pants. Long pants. Long, long sleeve pants. Shirts. Long sleeve pants and 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 long long legged shirts. Oh, 110 degrees in Vegas. And I'll just I'll just be working here and taking care of playing all with the ducks. Pets. Fuck all. I'm not gonna be happy with that temperature. Well, if uh, if you could share this episode, that's what helps us the most. You can uh, thanks to Falk Hogan. I, I we haven't said it in a while. Oh, Falk yeah. Hogan does all of our intro and outro music. Uh, those guys are awesome. It's great that they get to play uh, some shows every once in a while now. Yeah. Um, as a side note, they are playing more. They do have some stuff. Go to yeah. their websites. Uh, they announced their upcoming shows and Nick Passy and what is the Infinite Sadness or the Perpetual the sadness. Perpetual Sadness that, that poor girl that they he's been doing some stuff so yeah. so so get out there and support he's them. been doing some stuff with his supporting cast the Perpetual Sadness yep she's awesome we should have her on the show we really need to have her on um, the show and she can just play for us for we'll like cry forty five minutes or so and then we'll sense. talk to her for it's ten minutes it's so pretty yeah it really is. Um, but yeah, thanks to them. Um, follow us on social media at TNU Podcast. Um, we, we, we post things. Um, and then. And we do stuff. Yeah, you can go out to our website, thenewutah.com. Um, like I said earlier in the show, 
You know, if you want to hear me go on a long fucking rant about the death penalty, there is an episode where we spend a good chunk of time on the death penalty, and it's just me going to town ranting because I fucking hate it. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a few episodes, but if you go out to the site, you can search for any topic and you'll find shows and posts that we've done related to those topics. We'll certainly have uh, breeze type like 16 pages for a blog for tonight. So um, it's a page. I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we do in-depth stuff. We, we talk about a lot of stuff. She'll go through and find links to a bunch of these things. And um, it's it's a really cool resource to, to see stuff. Um, but that's going to do it. Um, drive less. Um, be air smart and water smart or whatever. Slow the flow. Don't breathe. Don't water your lawn. <laughs>